welcome to another episode of the Undead Comic Cast, episode two. Uh, I haven't got a cold, listen to me, la 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 la, absolutely fine. Lovely windpipes. Um, yeah, I am keep meaning to bring these out, I want to bring these out at the beginning of every month, and the reason that this is a little late is obviously we had New Year's, so we're all busy, I'm busy, I have a life, and also... Uh, we had the Nerdies, which was great. And Dan Morrison, thank you again for coming on. It really gelled in well. Um, yeah, if you haven't checked that out, you can listen to the podcast. Although I've heard that if you're listening on iTunes, it goes... Uh, it sounds like the Chipmunks. It's sped up. I have no idea why. I haven't uploaded it any differently. Um, another reason why I hate Apple. Uh, but if you go on the Facebook page, you can watch the whole thing. It's pinned to the top. So... If you've not listened before, this is just me talking about comics, and what I'd like to start about uh, start off with is the the news, some comic news, and it really did affect me. Um, I don't always plan to start with news; if I, it's only if it's something big. But this kind of came as a shock to me. But I was reading Dead Rabbit, and you're going to notice I've already said the past tense was. Um, yeah, Dead Rabbit is a comic that uh, was on Image Comics, and Jerry Dugan was bringing it out, and it's great. But for some reason, it's mad. Um, it's Image have issued a mandatory product recall of all the comics because they're now in a trademark dispute with a bar in New York, also called Dead Rabbit. And this causes a major problem for the Jerry Dugan's uh, comic because it's not just the comic is called Dead Rabbit, the main character is called Dead Rabbit. And obviously, if you've got a character called that, imagine the issues going ahead if he even if he agreed to change the name for whatever reason these previous two issues now make no sense why has the character been called dead rabbit up until issue three um so the, it's the mandatory mandatory project recall all the retail has been told to send them back and that they'll be reimbursed for the shipping of sending them back although uh, and you can't buy it on uh, image if you look at all the future issues that were meant to come out they've all been grayed out i can't get them um, no idea of when they're c continuing, but oh, pardon me. Um, so that's the uh, that's the fizzy orange kicking in there because I love orange soda. Um, yeah, you can get, still get these previous copies issue one and two for between twenty and fifty dollars on eBay because, funnily enough, the retailers aren't sending them back; they are just privatizing the sales onto eBay and taking the money for themselves. Um, and it all comes down to the name Dead Rabbit. It comes from an Irish street gang in the Five Points. Um, it's mad. It, it's it's just it's it's a common it's a famous name, and some bars managed to trademark this. You know, what how what's the word for it? This like nickname, this slang nickname for an area of town, as their bar name, and because they use it to promote themselves and their drinks, because they do apparently some special cocktails and whiskies. Um, yeah, they've image and Jerry Dugan have been painted into a corner here. So I don't, I don't really know what they're gonna do. I, but I'm really, I feel, I was really enjoying that comic. I was two issues in and really enjoying it. I got the character. I mean, I even, I think I said on the last podcast, didn't I? How he's, he's taken a bit of a bold. It was a bold choice to. Um, oh, hold on. It was a bold choice for him to use the term dead rabbit and the character in a way because it was very deadpoolish 
but it worked. But yeah, that's just things just mad. I don't think you'll you'll hear something like that for a while, just a one off. But I hope you get sorted, Jerry, and I hope you can find a way to uh, keep using the dead rabbit name because I really think it'll be weird if you start calling him like you know Black Wolf or something like that. Which, by the way, how many how many comics are already called Black? You know, I it doesn't annoy me, but it really irritates me. I suppose when I'm trying to find a comic. And you're going through them alphabetically, and then there's a load of ones out at the same time called Black. It almost seems like the imagination's been lost by a creative team. But, I mean, I wrote... I, I Like, you've got Black Panther, Black Order, Black Widow, Black Hammer, Black Science, Black Bolt, uh, Black AF, which is printed on Black Mask Records, DC's Black Label, of course... Uh, Black Monday Murders, and I'm sure there's more. I'm sure there's probably more than that. But, Jesus Christ, can we stop saying black before everything? I mean, it wor- It works. You know what? It does make the comics sound cool. I've never read Black Science, but I do want to get on it, because it just sounds cool, Black Science. Anyway, we'll get to the meat and potatoes, as Chris Wakefield off Chris's comics would say. And I'm just going to talk about the main comics I've been reading. So I've been reading this uh, from last month. So I'm always going to go over just last month. So December. I know these comics come out this month. Uh, but I'm only going to talk about December's comics. Um, first one was Prodigy Number 1 by Mark Miller. Uh, who is, which is illustrated by Raphael Albuquerque. This... I almost this was getting hyped because it's Mark Miller and to be fair I do like everything I've read of his I liked but I didn't half feel like it sounded unoriginal um, like a genius ph- uh, philanthropist I cannot say that word philanthropist <laughs> a genius I can only say hold on genius billionaire philanthropist there we go He's one of them. He's a Tony Stark. It is just the character of Tony Stark to a degree. But he's kind of like Sherlock Holmes as well. In the sense he's kind of like almost dead inside. uh, Doesn't really understand other people's emotions. But again, this isn't an original take on a character. Like I said, Sherlock Holmes, House from House MD. He was was, uh, admittedly based on Sherlock Holmes. um, Where he's just kind of like deadpan to everyone. Lost in your own intelligence and think you're better and but it was entertaining like i i i enjoyed reading it it showed him in his childhood growing up and how he struggled to fit in um but not like in a oh he's awkward and hiding in the corner like he just full-on his his learning his grasp of learning is so great that he watched a bunch of bruce lee films and went back and literally kicked the asses of all his bullies and wasn't bothered about the fact he was to be expelled because he realised he's so smart any other school will take him on anyway. Um, it's And it, it builds up this character and how he is. I mean, I've, the only thing I was a bit funny about was it, he's a stuntman as well, but I, I think he does that for like to entertain sick children, so that's going to be to show his good side. I don't know, it just seems a little bit tacked on. 
But no, I really enjoyed it. I thought the art was really good by Raphael. I thought the script was really good. And it's left you on the first issue, leaves you on a bit of a cliffhanger as to a weird mission that was quite original. So something is happening that I've, yeah, I've not heard about that happening in any other comic or story before. And he's got to solve it. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to the rest of them. So yeah, Mark Miller strikes again. Well done on a Prodigy number one. Uh, the next one I've been I read was and these are in no particular order by the way. Uh, oh, there was another number one, Shazam number one. Now it's been a uh, twenty years since DC uh, put out uh, a Shazam title set in the DC universe. Well, almost twenty years, um, apparently. Um, it's Jeff Johns is writing it, who has been killing it with Doomsday Clock, uh, and artist Dale Eaglesham. Uh, who w- worked with him on the original, well, not the original, but the last run of Shazam was them as well, which I've got that trade, it, and it is sick. And it actually just kind of carries on from there, which is weird because we're now, with, it's like it's nearly been 20 years since that was a new 52 run, and now we're on the rebirth. And there's not really much mention of anything has changed, it's just carrying on. Um, I, I don't know why this character struggles to get a, a running comic and clearly DC believe in, believe in the character as well because they've given him Jeff Johns to write each time and he's great and also he's getting his own film which looks great as well I've, I've loved this character since I've discovered him um, Well, and he flew into my life if you don't know who he is by the way he's just Superman but hold on fizzy orange break because I love orange soda Mm. Mm. he's like Superman but he's a kid but in a man's body it's just it's think of it like a a mixture of big and banana man Uh, if you're American and don't know who banana man is google it sick character strong chin Um, but this kid whenever he says Shazam if you haven't seen the trailers already just turns into essentially Superman can do all sorts of crazy stuff um, and it's dead entertaining because of his humour and the, this kid's background he isn't just like a little kid he's actually originally quite a wayward child he was an orphan who was who was fostered from house to house and purposely caused trouble because he didn't like any of his foster parents but that's just out of an act of rebellion and now he has um, he's with a family like a, a full foster family and there's no like dark side to it this family foster loads of children because they can afford to and because they're caring people they're nice people and so all these children are dead nice so all these um you can't see i'm putting up like uh what's he call it inverted commas uh brothers and sisters adopted brothers and sisters they all have the, the same powers as him now as well due to the last comic um and now it's about them going on really what we the first mission that we've seen together i wasn't sure at the end of the the last run of giving them more powers i thought it was almost too soon like all right we've only just got the character back again already giving them a whole team of a family could we not just develop him more but you know what totally on board really liked it uh and i think they do work well together i'm really looking forward to more of these comics and i urge people to pick up Shazam to keep this going because it's great and also I got the uh, the cool little variant as well where he's just like emblazoned on the front in the sky uh, which again man loves a variant so the next one again no particular order 
Um, by the way, have I rated these? Did I rate? Um, do I rate comics? Did I rate them last time? I was full of cold, so I can't remember. A Prodigy, I'd give four out of five. Uh, Shazam, I'd give uh, five out of five, actually, the more I think about it. I went to say four, but I enjoyed it more than Prodigy, so yeah, I'll give that a strong five. Uh, next one were uh, Punisher, uh, which has been by uh, written by Matt Rosenberg and the art by Sisman Crudan... Crud uh, Jesus Christ. They should put their names phonetically on the front of the freaking comics because they're hard to read. Art by... Sa I want to say Simon. I want to say that's a Simon and that's a silent Z. So Simon Kudransky. If I've said your name wrong, mate, I'm really sorry. But um, I have a... But to be fair, I'm not really sorry. I do have a bit of a bone to pick with you. Because whilst I am enjoying this comic, it's written fantastically by M Matt Rosenberg. The art by Simon is... It's, fun. It, it, it's great. It really captures the explosions and the violence and the intensity in some scenes. And th there's a lot of cameos and other characters who've just dropped in and he's drawn them dead well. But I just don't think he can actually draw the Punisher. It's the oddest thing. He just seems to draw Punisher like... Unless he's been told now, you've got to draw Punisher like a really weathered, heavy set guy. That's fine, but I just I don't see the Punisher as a heavy set guy. Heavy set is more he's got proper dad bod and dad bod face, and I just don't think the Punisher would be like that. He's a military man. He trains a lot, so he would be built like a brick shit house, but he would also be Agile. You see, when you see what he's drawing him doing, the only part I have to suspend my disbelief is a man of that physique could move like that. Um, I'm just not sure why. I, I've I've not seen the memo going around saying now that Frank Castle is officially is aging. Uh, there's nothing in the storyline to say he's old. Um, and, and the storyline's fantastic. I, I love it. He's it's been brutal. Like I said, there's been cameos. There's been twists in the cameos as well that I genuinely haven't seen coming. Although Eve thinks that um, I get so lost in a story, I don't see three steps ahead, and I'm, I'm quite easy to, um, to twist. But I just enjoyed re reading and watching films, man. So that's just me. If, if you spoil films and comics for yourself by trying to guess what's going to happen, more fool you. Just read the comic. Go with the flow. But... Yeah, really, I have been enjoying it. The only off-putting thing is the the weird way he draws Punisher. It's it's not like he draws him bad. He just, yeah, I just don't see the Punisher. But that aside, it's really good. Really, really enjoyable comic. And, I mean, it's violent. It's a lot of violence. And if I wouldn't recommend it for younger readers or people with a nervous and disposition. But the humour is great in it as well. He's still cracking wise, um, honestly, and you can see you can see why this character has again and again been given film after film opportunity and now a TV series, which yes, inevitably is going to be cancelled. But I actually strongly believe uh, Disney are going to create it. And am I the only one who who's talks about this? Everyone seems to, by the way, on the streaming service that Disney are going to do, seems to be like saying it's a terrible thing. Because all the Netflix shows are going to go. But I, why would Disney not create an X, like a, a, an R-rated side to their streaming service? Think about it. They've, they've already said that they're going to keep Deadpool R-rated when they absorb the rights to him. 
because it, that's how he sells. Uh, I know they've just done a PG-13 Deadpool, but I think that was just Deadpool b- being Deadpool. Actually, I need to watch that because it's v- obviously very, very different. So it's like a different film. I've heard no one talking about it either. Remind, m- m- eh, reminder. Rem- I must write that down. I need to watch that new Deadpool. Anyway, little tangent there. But I think Disney will have a streaming part of the site which will be R-rated because that's the easiest way to control it. Think about it. No kid can sign up to the Disney streaming service because you'll need a debit card or credit card. So it's got to be someone over 18 anyway. Netflix have it set, it's set up so you can go into your profile or the kid's profile. Why would Disney not have the same? And Disney do have the rights to stuff that is PG and 12 so they will have to have some kind of like age system on there anyway. Why would you not have it set up so there's obviously the 18 stuff is there as well? I'm telling you now, I think they will continue to do Daredevil and uh, Punisher and Jessica Jones. Maybe not Luke Cage, maybe not Iron Fist because the ratings of them went, I think they did go a bit funny. Um, but I've already heard that HBO, which is partnered with Disney, said they'll take them. But yeah, I just think it will happen. I don't think there's anything to worry about. Uh, and the Punisher will come back. And why not? Because he's a strong character, as is testament to this comic, which you should go pick up. Um, I'll give it... Obviously, these aren't ever going to have low scores, because why would I recommend them as my like top five comics of December? But it's it's a four out of five. It's a four out of five. It'd be a five if it just wasn't for that weird, I don't know, David Brent-style drawing of... Frank Castle, dead odd. Um, tell you what, is definitely getting a five out of five, and part, in part is to do with the drawing. It's uh, Kelly Jones. Um, Kelly Jones's uh, Kings of Fear, which is a bit of a weird one here because it's uh, hold on. I've been told that Kelly Jones writes this as well. Uh, but it says here it's written by former editor Scott Pearson. But Chris has been telling me that Kelly Jones has been writing it. I'm sure he told me that. I'm sure I might have even mentioned that on the last one. Oh, by the way, I know on the last one, here's a bit of housekeeping. On the last one I said Garth Ennis wrote um, Transmetropolitan. It's not Garth Ennis, it's Warren Ellis. I was ill, I was had a cold, and the names are very similar. And I, I just got confused. But yeah. Who cares anyway? Who cares who's writing and who's drawing the minutiae of it, really? Because Batman Kings of Fear is equally part, equally as good in both parts. I don't think this book would be half as good as it is without the amazing artwork by Kelly Jones. I also don't think Kelly Jones's artwork could convey as much of a mad story if it wasn't for the writing by uh, Scott Peterson. It's been an absolute blast to read. I've got the last issue next to me now, uh, but I haven't read it yet. Um, there's just everything about this it's like it made me go back and pick up um, Gotham After uh, Gotham at Midnight Gotham After Midnight I think it's called uh, which was another one Kelly Jones worked on Uh, admittedly being you know being the year 2018 or 2019 now sorry when you look at how Kelly Jones draws Batman it seems a bit dated like very retro 90s but it works. It works in with because of the rest of his art. He's he's consistent throughout. His color schemes are great. Um, and rather than date the work, 
it tones the work and it's just fantastic to to read absolutely love it the um i mean it's not so much got a mad amount of humor in it is quite a dark comic um but it's more interesting to see inside batman's head uh see his deepest fears in fact there is a bit of humor actually because scarecrow is a funny guy scarecrow um is constantly quite funny and is, is getting one up on batman throughout the, this entire thing and i always kind of like it when the bad guy and the protagonist get along in a in a weird way he he's not trying to kill batman he's just trying to study batman here and even though it's causing batman absolute agony and pain and it's essentially poisoning batman in order to, to do so with gas um He's just so whimsical about it, and you find it so interesting. It is, it is, and it's just really, I don't know, it absorbs you into the story. You know, it's not all explosions and fights and giant monsters trying to take on Gotham. It's just quite this tete-a-tete between these two very intelligent men who both, for some reason, dress up in these weird costumes. But, yeah, really been enjoying it. I'm going to be sad to read this last issue. I think it's the last issue. Uh, that it's over and i do hope kelly jones works on some more batman in the future because it, it really does bring the pages to life not to take away from scott peterson's writing that's been great too but yeah i think kelly jones is kind of sealing the show a little bit because it, it, i just enjoyed looking at the pages like just turn the page and just looking at that page i'm a bit of a speed reader as well i've taken the art read it and then crack on but with Kelly, no, I just I have to look at that splash page or I have to look at the the mad tones of colours he's managed to get in the shading. So yeah, that's definitely a five out of five. Um which leaves the only other one would it be oh yeah, Immortal Hulk. Um and we're probably gonna keep banging on about this, like until the run stops. Read Immortal Hulk. Simple as that. Uh, Al Ewing is absolutely killing it. Um the Joe Bennett writing them, uh, writing them. Joe Bennett drawing them is, oh, it's so good. He, he doesn't, he doesn't drop a panel. He doesn't kind of like phone any panel in. He definitely works hard as hell on each each one. Um, which reminds me of who else does that? Um, God damn it, who else do, it works so? She works hard on every panel so much that in actual fact. Uh, she had to drop working on it because she just did Sarah Pacelli. There you go. I'd say Sarah Pacelli is equal. He's equal to because you can see how hard he's trying to get every panel, make it right, make it tell the story. Because um, sometimes when you read comics, you 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 can't tell what's going on. Sometimes, like I'm the trade I'm going to talk about um, after this um, that I read this uh, this month uh, last month. Sorry. Um, yeah, I couldn't. There's sometimes I had to stop and just read the panels again because I couldn't quite tell what had happened. In his in his work, you can tell everything that's going on. It's great. I'm not saying obviously there's not lots of acrobatics with the Hulk, but there is some mad action scenes, and it is like it is a horror book. This is what's amazing about it. Al Ewing's writing this absolutely. I don't know. It, I don't think... I think the way he's wrote it isn't so much horror. It's the way that it's being depicted by Joe Bennett's definitely helping. You could take the, all the dialogue that Al Ewing's writing and maybe even the descriptive notes of his how he answers the panels and you could still probably churn out a totally friendly Hulk 
book. But no, it's like there's blood and spines and heads in jars, and it's all done. Or like, like I said, it's like in a horror, old-fashioned horror fest kind of way. There's not like I don't feel sick reading it. It's just more like goosebumps kind of horror. It's great, um, and yeah, we're getting to the point in the story now where Bruce is really battling some big, big heavy hitters and some demons of his own, um, and it's just it's riveting to read. I cannot wait to read that. I've got the next issue there. I cannot wait to get read it. I get really, and it's also got this nice little, nice little kind of Watchmen thing where at the be, uh, beginning of every issue, there's a quote, a random quote, which matches that what you is to be expected in the in the book that in, you know in the story that follows in the book, and then at the end is the title of the book, and instead of being at the beginning, it's at the end, and that really works well. It's like saying, and this was called Bam, and you and without. If it was set at the beginning, it might give it away, but it's it's a nice way of like closing a, a chapter of a book, or continuing the story and hinting at what's next to come. Really like that. Everything about this book, five out of five, absolutely love it. Um. So, I mean, I feel like I've already had a little rant. I've been trying to have a, a little bit of a rant, to get some stuff off my chest, stuff that is too short to blog, but too niche and specific to talk about maybe to gaz on the talk nerdy podcast the main one um but something that's been bothering me loads and i'm recording this on a monday i check i do this cosplay of the week and i post it on a monday and i enjoy i enjoy it i try and find people who've really worked hard they haven't store bought their cosplays they've really worked hard on them i post it on the site um sometimes i make exceptions like i did post I didn't make it cosplay of the week but uh, Chris forwarded me this fantastic photo of all of the spot like the full Spider-Verse cast cosplay, which looked amazing, including they even bought a little spider ham teddy and put it to the side and it worked, it was lovely. But what I'm sick of seeing whilst I'm finding cosplays is shite cosplay. And by shite I mean people dressing as totally normal characters. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Like people, I had to give you some examples. It's normally like cartoon characters from your kids' TV shows that you grew up with, but like Ed, Ed and Eddie, three guys just dressed as Ed, Ed and Eddie, but it's just like a red T-shirt and blue shorts, and a you know and a yellow T-shirt and blue trousers, and one of them's got a green jacket on, and he's draw he's drawn a little monobrow on himself. That's about it. There's. There's nothing distinguishing about those people, about those characters. I don't, it, I don't get it. I don't understand. Kim Possible is another popular one I've seen. Kim Possible is very popular to do, but again, she's just a girl with red hair with a long black sleeve top and cargos. It's not, it's not cosplay to me. It's just, it's the oddest thing. It's more like book day. When you go to, when do you remember in your school did book day, and you know you're you're either the kid who you had a bit of imagination, a bit of creativity about you and dressed up, or maybe your mum and dad uh, had creativity about them and helped you dress up. But then there was always one kid who either didn't get books or didn't give the memo to his parents and comes in just dressed as like some like just in like his normal clothes and says, "Oh, I'm uh, what's his name? I'm Kip from Biff, Kip and Fish, or whatever the." that little kid's book was 
Um, Meg from Family Guy. That's another one I see a lot of. People dressing as like Meg from Family Guy. It's you've just put a pink hat on. You put a pink beanie hat on uh, that you. The rest you could probably wear in real life. Maybe they're not the glasses. And Nani from Lilo and Stitch is another one that's popped up a few times, which. I I mean it's a bit niche, Nani from Lilo and Stitch, but still when you it's, when you say it, it sounds like oh right, but when you think about it again, it's just very basic. I think it's just a, a, a crop top and a pair of trousers. There's nothing. Not Danny Phantom. I'm not picking on girls here. Danny Phantom is another one I see. Again, just a black top. It, it, what can people stop doing this, please? Just put some friggin' effort in. You know, like I feel like there was cosplayers who just put on a like the lingerie and then just put some elf ears on have put more effort in than you have because you've just literally just dressed in your normal clothes so just for me from someone who goes and looks through cosplays all the time and tries to find really creative and at uh, ones people have made from scratch and sees the hard work that people put in can people stop doing totally normal character cosplay because it totally takes away from the art of it, I find. I don't think there's any way of defending it. I think it's really weird when I see someone put up, hey, uh, what do you reckon of my you know, my Kim Possible? And everyone goes, oh, yeah, really cool, really sweet. No, knock them down a peg or two. Tell them to try harder. Because all these people who really work hard, that's what people will associate you with. And why some people out there think it's weird and just like dressing up for kids. But yeah, just had to get that off my chest. It's really annoying. <laughs> and if you've seen... If you've seen any bad ones, I'd say email them to me, but don't. I just don't want to know. I just, it's really horrible when I see one. I feel like I, I, I'm not going to name anyone either, but if you've dressed as any of those characters, hang your head in shame. Just hang your head in shame. Just go back, try again, please. Um, so, my trade of the month is Wonder Woman, the new 52, volume one, Blood. I've been trying to think where to start with Wonder Woman because she's an interesting character. And as the quote on the front says, um, I don't know, it's not a quote on the front. It's a quote on the inside of this. It's, I'm saying that. Where the hell is that quote? It really is a, uh, here you go. The New York Times put, this is clear storytelling at its best. The reader doesn't need to know that much about Wonder Woman because she is, well... Wonder Woman, and that is totally true. So it was really, I was trying to find a perfect point to latch on. I didn't want something, didn't need an origin story as much or anything like that. I just needed a good point, and I figured New 52, Volume 1, would be a very good place to start. And I was right, it is a very good place to start. Brian Azzarello uh, wrote this with uh, art by uh, Cliff Chang, and Tony Akins took over for the second part of it, which is really noticeable, by the way. Uh, I'm, I kind of get when artists artists have to go. We've I've just talked about this. Artists have to move. Serpicelli just was taking too long to do Miles Morales, and the comic needed to come out, so they got someone else. I get it, but I don't know why Cliff Chang had to go. But Tony Akins was probably not the one I would have picked uh, to follow on. It was very jarring to see his work after. Uh, to uh, Cliff's work, if I'm honest. Now, Cliff's got a really original style, in my opinion. It's kind of sketchy, 
but it's detailed at the same time. I kind of it, it took me a, like a, a little while to get hacked at my head around it. I'm not gonna lie, that panel problem I spoke to you about before, where you have to read things a couple of times. Yeah, I had to do that on this. He has a little bit of an issue with action scenes. He's either that or he's being asked to do some weird action. Like there is a bit where Wonder Woman is lying on the floor. This horse is about to trample on her, so she lean she leans left, leans right, then flips back onto her head and then flings herself forward, legs first, and wraps her legs around the neck of the horse, um, and then brings herself up and headbutts the horse, and then lets herself go back down, does a backflip off the horse, lands, and then throws a sword. Now think how what everything I've just said there. I I know that'll be hard to draw. I struggle to draw that. I mean, horses as well. God, who can draw? Do you ever see that episode of um? Is it that there's some like tattoo program in Britain? You know where you just see people getting their tattoos done. It was about one studio, and it showed them the problems they have when they advertise for like a new artist who wants to be an apprentice. And this guy had a really good method. He went, all I do is I tell them to draw a horse. So you've got to draw a horse in like under five minutes for me because horses are hard to draw. And it was so funny. The first person comes and goes, yeah, I'm a bit of an artist. I've been thinking about doing it. He goes, okay, draw a horse. And you see the guy's eyes go wide and you panic. And then what he pushes, the, the, the thing, the creation, he pushes back to him. It just looks like a cow that's been pulled inside out. It's great. <laughs> like, I think I would have just turned around and gone, you know what? I can't draw a horse. I'm walking out of here. I wouldn't have tried. Because you saw the look on his face. Because that's your application to be an artist, and it's this weird looking like, like someone's drawn Jack Russell's legs on a seahorse. <laughs> so funny. Uh, anyway, little tangent. Back to Wonder Woman. Yeah. So the reason I think uh, Cliff got picked for this is because it's not all battles. There's a lot of dialogue in this, and there's a lot of interesting scenes and set pieces and he really works well in these pieces he really like draws people having conversations and facial expressions very very well i think he just had a bit of trouble with some of the action scenes but it was really nice to read nice to look at didn't have any issue with it all i actually got um i got some i think there's a lot of comics like sci-fi comics uh, stuff that I've read on the image that takes a bit of inspiration from some of the uh, the drawings on this because of the colour schemes used and the shading I just feel that I've seen that a lot more and this came out a while ago I think when did this come out it was the beginning of the new 52 so it has been a while it's at least I think it's like nine years isn't it um he's really tasteful in the way he draws all the characters well doesn't try and sexualize anyone at all um and he makes the amazons really seem brutal and i wouldn't want to mess with any of them at all and it makes you do wonder why people just immediately associate men not to be sexist but um i'm not being sexist sorry but why there is a sexist view of men are stronger than women women they definitely are equals when push comes to shove women can easily train and be as Macho as any man out there, and this shows it because this is totally this is totally believable. The only thing you've got to suspend your disbelief on is the demons and gods that show up, but all these women fighting 
and being as strong and as powerful as they are is completely believable. Um, the writing is great as well. Um, Brian Azzarello has took a, a strong risk and kind of gone back to the beginnings of Wonder Woman and made a few changes, as did a lot of writers did for the new 52. Uh, and it's, I think it's a, a risk that was worth taking and done very, very well. Um, I, I, I did, I loved, I loved all of this, really. It was just the drawing. The, the, it's, I, yeah, can we talk about him, actually? So we'll go to when um, Tony Akins takes over. Oh, it was just... It is just like I'm reading a different comic again. He's not a bad artist. And maybe he could have been on from the beginning. But his biggest issue is actually drawing the smaller set pieces, the bits where they are sat around talking. He, the emotion in the face is lost somewhat. Um, there's a, a character comes in. I'm not going to say his name in case it does ruin it for a few people. Has a little plaster on his nose. So if you're reading this, if you've read this, you know who I'm talking about. I feel he draws the same facial expression on him in every page, um, which just didn't work for me at all. I kind of got the impression he tried to make him out with that he's unfazed and he's cocky, but it just came off to me like the guy can't draw facial expressions. The action he can draw, though, is fantastic. Um, some of the creatures that also then appear and show themselves in this are brilliantly done as well. So I get why he's been chosen. Um, there's some other later characters, some other gods that appear, which I love that his takes on them really good. I just did not like how he drew the slower moments, and I think the pro that problem starts because his first his first issue is mostly about them all sitting down and going over what's happened over the last few issues. Um, the highlight of it for me is all the characters that come in, all the characters that pop up um, from Wonder Woman's kind of like plethora of. You know, she, she can go into Greek legend and Amazonian legends. So it is really nice to see that. I also am a bit of a fan of historical fantasy and using gods and demigods. I'm the one who, I've been reading The Wicked and the the, uh, the Wicked and the Divine. I love stuff like that. Um, the, its lowest point is, there's just a weird bit where they go to Wonder Woman gets some news and decides to deal with it by going into uh, a, me going to a metal bar. Like going to a, there's a metal show on. She just goes there, and it kind of seems out of place for the story. Like the the current team of people she's with are kind of on the run, and it doesn't. I don't feel like they're there to hide. It just feels like she's gone there to enjoy herself. It's implied that's why they've gone there, and that they're still pr probably easily findable. I I don't don't understand why they would go there. Also, Wonder Woman doesn't strike me as a, who's as someone who's into metal. I don't know why. I know she could, she's got long hair and, you know, metal bands on her arms and they put a leather jacket on her, but she does stick out like a sore thumb. She doesn't look like she's meant to be there. I would have, I just don't know what she'd be into, but I just, it was the oddest, oddest couple few pages that to read of Wonder Woman enjoying a metal gig. Um, all in all, I'm going to buy the next one because where it's ended isn't an end, it's another nice little cliffhanger and I'm going to crack on with this I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5 um, could have just done with more consistency in the art, but the story is strong enough and obviously Wonder Woman is strong enough that I really enjoyed it too and there's enough humour in here it, there's a lot of long words 
there's a lot of like th Thor like words like forsooth you have done this to mine how dare I um, but it comes off as strong I, I, I really like how that's how that works and the the humour that is embellished in by it there's a normal human character in here kind of bounces out that much better so yeah pick this up new 52 Wonder Woman well done uh, to Brian Azzarello and I'm looking forward to reading the rest of this um, there isn't really too much more to talk about other than I might just say get on Titans if we're talking about DC now get on Titans everyone I've thoroughly enjoyed Titans I want to be on a talk about this on another podcast at some point so everyone's homework is to go and watch Titans it's on Netflix now I think um, at least at the time of me putting this out it might be but it's, it's it's had such bad press and such bad marketing and a bad build-up that maybe my expectations were low but I have a feeling that if the marketing had been correct I would still walk walk away from this the same it's absolutely great uh, the, the characters are all drawn well or drawn well <laughs> drawn well the characters are all really pulled off there well now some hardcore dc fans may still have umbrage with how uh starfire is portrayed and the storyline explain her portrayal i've heard some people complain about the hot topic way raven is portrayed uh and another few people feel like grayson is a bit robotic like let's program the perfect grayson and it's come off as more robotic than natural I didn't have a problem with anything, but I, I maybe I'm not the most hardcore DC guy. But I thought this is the kind of DC, this is the kind of DC that I want on the cinema. If you want to do it dark and edgy, this is how you do it because it was funny as well. Um, people have a lot of issue with the last episode because of how it ends and how it leaves the series. But bear in mind they pulled the actual last episodes. So that's going to be the second to last one. Um, we're not sure why they've done it, whether they've had a change of how they want to do the story or if they think it's a way to secure themselves getting a part two because they've left it on a cliffhanger. I don't know. Um, but one thing it is definitely getting praised for all around is all the different different characters that are appearing in it. You know, you get your A-star your A -star ones mentioned a lot, but you get a lot of B characters and C characters pop up. And what it's been becoming very clear is that all the DC characters exist in this universe. They all exist. Whatever this Titans TV show universe is, they've just gone, yeah, everyone exists. Just don't even question it. They, they are in this universe somewhere. And that's great because it leaves it so... It's just all its cards on the table. It's been dead open about it. It's even used a few that I didn't think they'd use yet. But... Yeah, it's 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 got potential. It's got so much potential. I think they want to take on the CW universe almost by doing this. Um, and but I have a feeling, a weird feeling, they could even collapse their own uh, movie universe by doing this because it's such a strong start. Get on Titans, everyone, boss. Uh, what but what did you think of Titans? Have you already watched it, or if you watch it, I want you to let me know. Email me at talknerduk at gmail dot com. Don't forget to tweet us uh, at TalkNerdyUK. Um, also, I'd like to point out the music at the beginning. That's my old band, The Sellout Floor. Um, I don't know if you can find that. You might find us on, on MySpace if you want to listen to the full track. Um, and the music that I shut the show to, I didn't mention, is an old track I found on an old demo CD by a band called Three Day Bender. 
I don't know if they're still going, guys. If you're still going, I, you know, good on you. I just thought it's. I really like just that little chug, so I put that in there. Um, don't forget, I'm trying to do one of these a month. There'll probably another one come out of these come out in about two or three weeks, and I'll just go over January's comics. If you think there's anything you want me to read, email me or just message me, and more importantly, just head over to talknerdy.uk to read and watch so much more. Um, I've been JB. And this has been the Undead Comic Cast, because comics never die. And uh, keep talking nerdy, guys. Bye!